You're tuned into tomorrow. Right here on the Advanced Media Network. You don't need to be tech savvy to record and publish your own podcast, but we're guessing listeners of Into Tomorrow would pick it up pretty easily. And it's also less costly than you might imagine. Plans start at just $12 a month. Go to Blueberry.com. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com to start your free trial. Welcome Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive radio network program with the latest in high-tech products and services and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline. Always reminding you to check your spam filters frequently and back up your important data. You're tuned Into Tomorrow. We try to be always entertaining and informative. Oh, and of course, always free. Into tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. And this is the broadcast for the weekend of Friday, April 29th, 2022. Again, using the Friday dates all the time, going into every weekend, so that you'll know if you want to come and visit us at intotomorrow.com, check the show notes, maybe hear your call or anything you may have missed. All three hours are available for you there for free as well in our 27th year on the air. Some tech news and commentary, and then we've got uh, Dean in Idaho and a bunch of other folks joining us on the show today. According to a letter sent to Amazon from the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, the company won't be fined or cited by the U.S. safety officials after a tornado caused one of its Illinois warehouses to collapse, killing six workers. Yee. OSHA's letter still flags a number of concerns with Amazon's handling of the incident, including an unnecessarily convoluted process for raising the alarm. When the order to shelter in place first came through, managers had to yell to employees instead of using a megaphone, since the megaphone was, quote, locked in a cage and not accessible. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, that's and, helpful. Yeah. Some workers didn't know where the designated shelter in the facility was, while others had never even done a tornado drill. Oh, so they didn't have any clue what to do, let alone where to go. Right. So oh, OSHA gosh. basically said, we're not going to fine you, but you need to solve those problems for the next time. But... You know, I, honestly, I he's killing six workers, I don't know how they can get off that scot-free. Yeah, exactly. Somebody's it's, it's, paying somebody, perhaps. Yeah, especially when it's been found that this is a, a lot of this is caused because they didn't have a, a plan in place. Yeah. Well, I'm, and locking up the megaphone. How about a, just a, a PA system for the whole warehouse? Yeah. That wouldn't have been terribly expensive. They could have ordered it from Amazon. Probably. <laughs> God. Well, of course, less than a month after launch, parent company Warner Brothers Discovery shuts down the highly publicized fortune spent on promoting subscription-based streaming news service called CNN+. Plus. Uh, by the time you hear this, it's history. Yeah. So that didn't last long. I wonder what Chris Wallace is going to do now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think the best headline I saw was where CNN Plus pulls a queeby. No, yes. <laughs> we talked about Queeby, too. Coming on, all this excitement, all these people behind it, and, and nothing. They were, they were announced at, you know, launched at CES a few years ago, and then mm-hmm. within, you know, by like February, yeah, they were out. Yeah, it didn't <laughs> last long at all. So just like CNN Plus, well, first of all, who the heck watches CNN to begin with? And then they think people were going to pay for a subscription service for CNN? That was their downfall. And they spent $300 million plus dollars getting it together and promoting it and hiring people and so forth. Somebody was tweeting, well, gee, how about feeling bad for all the employees that are laid off? Okay, sure, you know, get a job. Or maybe they shouldn't have left the main CNN, which isn't doing well anyway. 
But I get it. They they were excited about a streaming service because everybody's streaming. Well, everybody can't and isn't. Yeah. I mean, look what's happening even with Netflix. Losing losing subscribers like crazy. Yeah, I keep seeing, you know, some headlines saying that, you know, Netflix's bubble is about to burst. Yeah. Interesting. I hope they don't go away because I still watch an occasional something there. But who knows? A lot of competition, and that's what competition does. And what do they want to do? They want to get you for sharing your password now or charge you more money or, of course, start a commercial version of Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> where you have to watch commercials. Well, you can pay more and not watch commercials. If that, true, true. That's to try to keep them in business, I guess. Yeah. But speaking of competition, two of the largest American cable providers are joining forces to try and take on streaming hardware giants like Apple and Roku. Charter and Comcast have unveiled a joint venture that will create a streaming platform for a range of branded media devices and smart TVs. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. It will be based on Comcast's Flex box, which they sent me as an Xfinity customer and I've never used. Oh. Um, in fact, and it's weird because I guess they know, they've seen that I've never connected it and turned it on because I got an email a few weeks later saying, since you're not using your Flex box, please feel free to return it to us. I stuck it in a drawer at home. Good. Well, maybe now <laughs> there might be something on it. Maybe. Uh, but the, the box will unsurprisingly include services like Peacock and the free-to-watch Zumo alongside, quote, all the top apps. Uh, the platform will be available on Comcast's X-Class TVs, while Charter will provide streaming devices with voice remotes starting in 2023. The companies stressed that they each had equal stakes in the joint venture and that their cable and broadband services weren't involved. Charter will initially pour $900 million into the project over multiple years. Wow. $900 million. Yeah. So I guess it's, you know, so they're, they're still competitors, but I guess, you know, it's like they say, you know, if you can't beat them, join them or something. So now they've joined forces to try to take on the others. I wonder if that's still the plan, though, after CNN Plus folded. Maybe. It's like, well, look, they only spent $300 million. We're spending three times that and trying to do streaming services. Maybe we should rethink this. Yeah. I don't know. But maybe your Flexbox will finally have something. Maybe. NASA tapped SpaceX, Amazon, and four other American companies to begin developing near-Earth space communication services that it may use in future agency missions. Not that they will use that they may use in future agency missions. So stay on. we'll stay on that for you and find out if it's going to make any difference. Yeah. Speaking of SpaceX and NASA, SpaceX launched four astronauts to the International Space Station for NASA this past Wednesday, yep. less than two days after completing a flight chartered by millionaires. SpaceX has now launched five crews for NASA and two private trips in just under two years. Elon Musk's company is having an especially busy few weeks. It just finished taking three businessmen to and from the space station as NASA's first private guests. A week after the new crew arrives, the uh, new the three Americans and German they're replacing will return to Earth in their own SpaceX capsule. Uh, three Russians also live at the space station. Now, both SpaceX and NASA officials stressed they're taking it one step at a time to ensure safety. The private mission that concluded Monday encountered no major problems, they said, although high wind delayed the splashdown for a week, which, yeah. meant, which meant those millionaires got some extra time in space at no extra charge. Yeah, four or five <laughs> days extra. Yeah. So I think they're, what was it, $55 million each they spent yeah. to, to go up there. Artificial intelligence is changing the automobile industry with the autonomous car market expected to grow to $60 billion by 2030. Forbes reports that AI will enhance vehicles and will introduce accident prevention tech like driver monitoring as well as personalization 
and in-car assistance. So look for more tech in your vehicles just when you thought you probably had enough. Don't worry if your Apple Watch screen suddenly went blank. You might not have to pay to get it fixed. Apple has launched a service program that offers free fixes for Apple Watch Series 6 models whose screens go permanently white. If you own a 40-millimeter watch built between April and September of 2021, uh, Apple or an authorized shop will repair the device regardless of its warranty status. Now, this doesn't extend the regular warranty or cover damage that requires repairs before the display can be addressed. Uh, Not surprisingly, Apple said that the problem only affects, quote, a very small percentage of Series 6 units. Interesting. That's another reason why I don't buy Apple Watches. Well, not the fact that you have to, you know, third or fourth mortgage your house to get them. Yeah, (laughs) not that bad. I do like my good, expensive but reasonable Android watches. Well, you know, and I have your previous Android watch, and I've always said that I I think I would probably prefer an Apple Watch because I live in the Apple ecosystem. I just like my money more. And I don't want to pay what they're asking for it. Of course, Meta, Facebook's parent, will open a brick-and-mortar store in real life, not the metaverse, on its Burlington, uh, Burlingame, California campus next month to introduce consumers to devices including the Quest 2 virtual reality headset. We have the just the Quest, or we have the Quest Quest 2? We have the Quest 2. Oh, well, good. We don't have to go buy it. Um, And Ray-Ban Stories smart sunglasses. We don't have those. No, and I'm surprised those are still around. Yeah, I know. Shoppers will be able to try out the gadgets and learn how they can be used to explore the metaverse. And they'll be able to make purchases, of course, in the store or online. But they're opening a brick-and-mortar store in real life. But can you buy things with Zuck Bucks? God, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, who would want to, for crying out loud? Yeah. TikTok is testing a dislike button for comments yeah. intended to let users flag inappropriate content and help make the community a bit nicer than it might otherwise be. Um, announced in a blog post, TikTok's new dislike button appears as a thumbs down icon to the right of the heart icon that is already available next to comments. The dislike feature isn't currently available to all users, though, so don't be surprised if you don't have it yet. TikTok says they plan to roll it out globally over the next few months. Well, good for them. I can't hardly wait. Along those lines, Twitter's Buy Now button kicked off true social commerce way back in 2014. Can you remember back that time? Mm-hmm. Hey, Jack, yes. nab it. Uh, and the metaverse is talki- taking digital retail to new levels with activations like Decentraland's Metaverse Fashion Week. While fashion brands are paving the way, others like CVS Health and others like them are getting on board with virtual stores. Smart Brief Marketing notes that social media strategy and social e-commerce can mean almost the same thing in today's consumer environment. So if you're wondering on any of these anti-social media platforms that you may or may not be on, but if you're wondering why you see many more ads, well, that's why. Because they're realizing people are dumb enough to click on them. I I can't pass them fast enough, as far as I'm concerned. Speaking of social media, the uh, my my Truth Social uh, waiting list went from 289 thousand something to there and in, in, in on it, like just like that. You're on Truth Social yeah, now, so, which which again tells me that you know that that waiting list number was just pulled out of the uh, thin air because are you it, on it, Truth Social as your name? I am. Okay, so folks it's can... It's the truth. It's, uh, so you can go follow Chris Graveline, but you can only do it if you're an iPhoney, because yeah. they still don't have an Android app. And I wonder if that's the developers or if that's Google you know, holding that back. 
Oh, you know. No, I think it's I think it's the truth. Social people just not there yet. They had to get it working on one platform and tweak and fix and do a whole lot of hoop jumping. And then they finally got it, and you were 283,000-something, yeah. and you figured, oh, that's never going to happen. And then all of a sudden, it was like the day after Elon bought Twitter, yeah, what, boom, what, you're what, on Truth Social. Because what, what made me check it was that Elon put a tweet out on Twitter mentioning how Truth Social is beating Twitter and TikTok in the Apple App Store. Yes, <laughs> and I thought it was so funny that people were saying, oh, that's BS, that's not true. It is true. I mean, it may not be right now if you go look, but it was at that moment because people were saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to download and check it out. And you had already downloaded it. You were just on this incredibly long waiting yeah. list. So I guess if they eventually do it for Android, then maybe I'll be on a long waiting list too. Maybe you know, and you know, I was thinking it was just a good thing that I was, you know, I had my fingers crossed behind my back that day that I said that if Elon actually buys Twitter, I might get a Twitter account. But you should. <laughs> I mean, fine, wait till he actually takes it over and privatizes it fully. Or or try now to get on and then say something, oh, I don't know, conservative, and see if it gets out there. Yeah, that's ah, true. See, there would be a good test, and you can report back next week on the show. Chris has homework. You're just trying to get me on more social media. Anti-social media. I don't even, I mean, I don't ever see myself even posting on that truth social. I mean, I really just was jumping on a bandwagon. <laughs> because that's how you are. I'm a bandwagon jumper. You're a bandwagoner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and you notice that I've said for years now that Twitter's the worst thing to happen to this country and perhaps the world ever. Yeah, and then the second worst is Facebook. Be, of course. Followed very closely by Instagram and TikTok and all the rest of the anti-social media stuff. But we're going to wait and see. It's a wait and see attitude now to find out whether Elon truly can bring free speech to Twitter and let people get on. I loved his lines. I think we talked about it last week on the show that he says if if 10% of the left and 10% of the right are mad at him, he's doing the right thing. Yeah, and that's the way it should be. Yes, because if you if you don't agree, say so or express yourself. Don't just slam people or be nasty or whatever. But hey, I don't agree with you. Well, okay. I accept that. You know, I've I've always said the same thing for people. If you may not agree with what I have to say, but I will defend your right to say it. That's free speech. But it's amazing how many people are apoplectic about what's been going on since Elon's buying Twitter. It's like, really? Well, then how come it, it worked for you before, but it doesn't work for you now? You know, you were all for free speech. My gosh, they were all for Elon. Let's buy his cars and have a good old time. And now it's he's not good enough for you. See, you know, I miss the days when when really our only social media was like CB radios. <laughs> that was when social media was cool. Breaker, good buddy. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> no, I personally never did CB, but I, I had several friends that did. And I remember just sitting in rooms and you know, hear everybody talk back and forth. It was that was fun. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, some might argue ham radio still does yeah. that. And you've heard me say many times that radio's the original social media, especially when you could talk back and deal with talk shows and call in or even call in to a music DJ and request a song. And it was social media. You know, you know if you can find a radio, a music radio station that isn't just all run by computer. Yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for folks that want to call in and request a song because if it isn't in rotation for the next three or four days, you're not going to hear it. Mm -hmm. That's just the way that goes. 
Wow. Dean in Idaho Falls, Idaho, listens on News Talk 107.9 FM. Hey, Dean, welcome into tomorrow. I want to buy a home theater system. I want to install it myself. And I didn't realize it was going to be so difficult. Too many options. (laughs) And I want to keep the whole system under $5,000. For now, just looking at probably a laser projector. And then uh, I don't know much about the audio options, but wireless capability would be ideal. Well, Dean, $5,000 is actually a good budget for what you're trying to do. But as with everything else in tech, it's all about choices. For example, an Epson Pro Cinema LS12000 alone can eat up your entire budget. And you'd need to double your budget to get close to a JVC DLA NZ7. Now, you can go for the more reasonable Optoma projector with 4K resolution, HDR, and good contrast for about $1,500. We'll have all that info, of course, in our show notes. For around two grand, you can get a refurbished Epson Equic. It's it's Epic. Epic, yeah. E-P-I-Q. Okay. Epic Vision Ultra LS300. Generally speaking, though, laser projectors are very expensive and will probably eat up the majority of your budget. Yeah. Now, when it comes to audio side, the same thing applies. A Bose Lifestyle 650 system will cost you over four grand. Yikes. But you can get a more reasonable option, like for about $400, you can buy a JBL wireless bar, which will get you a 5.1 surround system with 510 watts of power. Now, if you're looking for more power, you can double that with the JBL that will get you uh, a 1500 shockwave. That's like shockwave, but with an F. $1,500. Uh, $1,500, yeah. yeah. Shockwave Ultra. Now, ultimately, the choices for you will depend on priorities and the size of the room that will be housing all this tech. And with the sound system, how close your neighbors are. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. So, Dean, th- you have us really curious. So, our show notes are there with all the things that we're recommending, and that's just a handful of multiple items that we can offer. Um, but let us know what you end up with and what your budget worked out at and and what you think of it. It'll certainly help many other listeners all the way into tomorrow.com. Attention. Do you owe back taxes, fines, and penalties to the IRS? The IRS now offers new relief options for taxpayers affected by COVID-19, but you can't go it alone. Call Tax Solutions now. Our team of former IRS agents and tax professionals can get you the best deal. We know the COVID-19 rules. Call us and never speak to the IRS again. I couldn't sleep. We were being audited. I called Tax Solutions now and a great big weight was lifted off my shoulders. I called Tax Solutions now and they got the IRS off my back. Tax Solutions now had my wage garnishment lifted in 48 hours. The virus has caused the IRS to take extensive action to help taxpayers. So if you owe $10,000 or more, this is the best time in years to settle your tax debt. I qualified for the Fresh Start program. I paid less than I owed. Remember, the IRS will not give up until you pay. Call You're tuned into tomorrow. The chances are good that you or someone you know is responsible for helping care for an elderly or sick relative or friend. Stop shaking your head. Yes, you're not caring for me. But who cares for the caregivers? With this week's Into Tomorrow Health Tech Minute brought to you by MarPay. Here's Alfred Poor. Thanks, Dave. 
On top of everything else, we're facing a caregiver crisis in the United States. According to some sources, 53 million people are unpaid caregivers, and the demand continues to grow. Nearly one in four of these report that their own health has been impaired as a result of their duties. Help is on the way, thanks to a new partnership between Walmart and BetterUp, a company that provides online support services. The new BetterUp for Caregivers subscription program is designed to shore up the individual's mental fitness, building their resilience, adaptability, and effectiveness. The program includes live coaching sessions with a certified coach, online classes, guidance from coaches, and access to relevant resources. The program is not inexpensive at $125 per month, but it can provide caregivers with the connection and support that they need to deal with the stress and anxiety that may come with their responsibilities. For Into Tomorrow, I'm Alfred Poor. Back to you, Dave. I'll thank you, sir. The Into Tomorrow Health Tech Minute brought to you by MarPay, a smart third-party administrator using AI intended to lower health plan costs. Visit MARPAIHealth.com. Attention Medicare beneficiaries. Are you getting all the benefits you need? If you have Medicare, you may now be able to get new benefits. Benefits may include eyeglasses, wellness visits, gym membership, meal delivery, and hearing aids with low copay. To find out which benefits you qualify for and to find out if you're getting the benefits that you deserve, you need to call Best Medicare. Our licensed insurance agents can look up your current benefits and tell you what additional benefits are available to you. It's easy. Just one call. Tell us the deductibles you prefer, the doctors you want to see, and if you want prescription drug coverage. The service is free and you have no obligation. You may even find plans with zero monthly plan premiums, zero co-pays on many services, and zero deductibles. You deserve every medical care coverage benefit out there and we'll help you get them. Call 800-901-5093. That's 800-901-5093. 800-901-5093. And let Best MedCare do the work for you. Welcome back into Tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline, now in our 27th year, bringing you Into Tomorrow, the latest in fun, cool consumer tech products and services, websites, apps, all sorts of neat stuff. Gadgets and gizmos, too. All things available today and into tomorrow. And we're delighted that you have tuned into tomorrow. Even more delighted when you participate. So don't hesitate anytime, 24-7. You can join us any number of ways. Very popular way these days is simply visit our website on anything with a browser and a microphone. And then hit that little Ask Dave microphone button on the right-hand side of your browser. Sometimes it might be on the lower right, but you can't miss it. Little red Ask Dave button at intotomorrow.com and participate that way anytime. Again, at your convenience. While you're there, be sure to put in your just your email address at the little box that pops up, and we'll get you our free once a week 
Tech Newsletter. We are delighted to keep you informed because, amazingly enough, it has some tech news. Also, let you know who's on the show this week, current prizes available, all sorts of fun stuff in the Into Tomorrow Tech Newsletter. Our next guest is from a company that created a platform allowing you to find local and global opportunities to engage in science. And that certainly got our attention. We thought, let's have the founder of Science Near Me and Sci Starter, Darlene Cavalier. Welcome into tomorrow, Darlene. How are you? Dave, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Well, you certainly got our attention. We love anything that we can do to help promote science and tech and all the STEM subjects, if you will. And this sounded like a very cool idea because it might be some things, it sounds to me, that are around the corner in your own city, in your own town or neighborhood that you may not even be aware of. Or, correct me if I'm wrong, if you're traveling, maybe there's a nice family outing. And while you're out and about, you want to check into what science might be near you. Am I correct? That's exactly right. These are ways to um, help people find opportunities to engage in science. Things from citizen science, where you can participate in authentic research, more like crowdsourcing, to upcoming science festivals, astronomy on tap, events that are happening, cool things happening at museums, all around you. And we're, we're starting with 20 core partners who offer opportunities like that. Um, And then in the coming months and years, hopefully you find thousands and thousands and thousands of these opportunities. And the most important thing is that you find one that's right for you. Oh, for sure. And I think what a great opportunity for all of the museums and any organization involved in science. Of course, they'd want to let folks know what's available. So how do you work with them? I mean, do they, you know, to be honest, uh, pay a fee or something to be listed with you? Or uh, how, how do you connect with some of these places around the country and around the world? Yes, great question. Well, we're very fortunate that this is uh, supported by the National Science Foundation. Nice. So the 20, yes, which is amazing. So there's a lot of research that comes out of this too. So we work with 20 core partners and a lot of our work in the past two years has been in the back end, the technical side of setting up connections to museums and festivals and citizen science and all other ways of engaging in science and looking for ways that As they add their opportunities to wherever they're already adding them, usually it's maybe a museum's website, for example, that Science Near Me is able to easily scan and pull in from those websites. And what this does is it sets up a sustainable model that the museum doesn't have to keep adding all of their events and programs to multiple sites. So as things are updated in the source it too is updated in Science Near Me. And so we thought this is probably the best way to go about creating a very open, uh, very uh, transparent and uh, super scalable and sustainable way to keep Science Near Me alive and bring these opportunities that are local, that are up to date and active to millions of people. And of course, it sounds like it's perfect for anyone of any age, but especially now for parents and grandparents, always looking for fun things to engage the kids. And it's not just a matter of a playground. I mean, especially if your kids are hopefully interested in science and technology, you want to know what all is available wherever you are or wherever you're traveling and and help help them truly engage in these uh, 
science and tech arenas. I think it's terrific. How is it that you and your team decided to create such a platform? Can I assume maybe you've got kids too and they're thinking, where can we go? There's got to be something nearby and sort of a light bulb went off kind of thing. Yes, we all come at it from different angles. All of us do represent some field of public engagement in science. So mine is in the citizen science realm of helping scientists advance important areas of research by doing small acts. It may be it may be bird watching. I'm looking outside of my window. Maybe bird watching and sharing my observations with ornithologists. It might be that I'm curious or concerned about um, air quality in my neighborhood. And by getting involved in projects, I'm learning about the air quality in my neighborhood. But I'm also helping to advance research that hopefully ends up protecting my air and the air that I breathe here. So we all came at it from our different um, domains of public engagement in science. And we all are kind of sitting in the same meetings of looking at similar questions. How do people get involved? Why do they get involved? What are they learning from this? And realize, why are we doing this in separate siloed websites? Why aren't we sharing our offerings to make it easier for people to find these opportunities and therefore make it actually more important in the ways that we approach researching how people engage, what they're learning, what gaps and opportunities to engage exist, where there might be um, duplications and so forth. So that's how it came together. But for me personally, um, I wanted to know how somebody without a formal science degree could actually engage in science in meaningful ways. I also do have kids. Um, but I want to just like really point this out for, for grandparents and adults and others. Science near me and science engagement opportunities are for everyone. And so there's projects that help accelerate research on Alzheimer's just by playing online games. Um, I mentioned the air quality one. There's just something for everyone and bringing them together in science near me is a very uh, long sought after vision that our team has had. And we're just thrilled to not only launch it, to have the support from the National Science Foundation, but also to, to you for helping us spread the word about it. Oh, and it's our pleasure. And I think you're very easy to remember website of sciencenearme.org. One of the first things I noticed jumps out at me is, what would you like to do near you? And that's the key. It's like, well, I didn't even know this existed. I mean, certainly we might know about a planetarium or a science museum because it's got, you know, a lot of PR. We see it on the news, maybe in the neighborhood or, or somewhere in our town. But sometimes it's, it's the smaller organizations that you can also learn an awful lot from. And since it sounds like it's not just for kids and students, they probably benefit the most from it. But it's for anyone who just is curious about what's going on. That's exactly right. If you're curious, you're going to find a lot of things on science near me. That's exactly right. And I'm and, and concerned, you know, concerned about some issues and you might want to get involved in being part of the solution through science. You're going to find something on science near me. Terrific. I, I like how right away you can do search for what and near what distance, you know, drop down menu, 25 miles or farther, whatever. Uh, and what dates you're interested in, too, because that makes a difference if you're going to be traveling. And then you list what science is available near you. I think that's that's terrific. Uh, what do you hope to accomplish in the long run uh, through this particular resource? I think it's terrific. And clearly people can learn an awful lot. I think the more that we can make it obvious and apparent to people that these are, are opportunities that not only just invite the public to get involved, but that actually benefit from and sometimes can only happen 
with participation from the public. So as I mentioned, you know, my expertise is in citizen science. When you have a scientist who is looking for somebody perhaps in Philadelphia to share data, because that scientist and their team can't get there to observe something like uh, dragonfly swarms or, or other neat natural phenomena that's happening, people are actually needed to be part of those projects. It can't happen without their help. Uh-huh. And so fostering these connections with more and more people can change the mindset. For me, as I mentioned, how can somebody without a formal science degree get involved in science? I have never heard of these opportunities before. It completely changed my life. I look at things differently now. I look at ways of thinking, it's not up to a scientist to figure out these solutions for me. I actually can be part of these solutions too. And so it's changed what I read. It's changed how I explore things. You kind of start thinking more critically like a scientist. So one, just bringing these opportunities to people more and more and letting them know it's not just for kids. It doesn't matter if you went to college. It certainly doesn't matter if you have a science degree. All of these things are open and available to you. And also, you know, the National Science Foundation is funded through your tax dollars. So you also have a right to be part of all of these opportunities that we're sharing with you. Third, it's to make um, the people who are producing these events and programs and so forth, we hope that Science Near Me alleviates some of the, the financial pressure of trying to market and recruit people. Because that's a, that's a serious um, constraint. So we hope that this benefits them by just like bringing these opportunities to more people. And four, and this is a really important one, this is designed to expand and catalyze new forms of research that we hadn't been able to do before because all of these websites were not connected. So we miss really good opportunities to understand how somebody who just gets involved in a science festival moves on to do deeper forms of engagement and does this change their pathway like it's changed mine. It sounds like it's very much a win-win-win kind of scenario, and I certainly hope that every parent especially, and every grandparent especially, that are listening and watching our video right now realizes this is a great opportunity for you and your kids and grandkids. Take advantage of it and visit sciencenearme.org. We'll get you there when you visit us at intotomorrow.com. And Darlene, one of the quick things that, that I mentioned in your intro is that you're the founder of Science Near Me and SciStarter. Real quick, what is SciStarter? SciStarter is one of the partner um, teams or opportunity providers that feeds all of its data over to Science Near Me. So on SciStarter, you'll only find opportunities to engage in research. That's the citizen science component. So we aggregate from all over the world different research projects that need help from the public. These are a lot of the crowdsourcing projects. Mm -hmm. And then we feed all of that. We're one source of information that feeds all of those opportunities over to science near me. So you can imagine how large science near me will become over the coming years. And I also should add that there's a lot of partners that are involved in this researchers from Oregon state university, from, um, from Columbus, Ohio, a museum there, um, COSI, COSI, sorry, Um, uh, the Science Festival Alliance, the Association of Science and Technology Centers. Um, So there's a bunch of us that came together to create Science Near Me. Terrific. And of course, somebody else that might be listening or watching that is involved in science and technology that is not yet listed 
at sciencenearme.org should certainly contact you as well. So Darlene Cavalier, the founder of Science Near Me, thanks so much for spending a few minutes with us. We're delighted to help you build your site because it's only going to help a lot more of us to find these cool things. Thank you. And thank you so much for having us and shining a light on our work. It's our pleasure. Keep up the great work. ScienceNearMe.org. And you'll see what Darlene and her team are up to as they continue to grow dramatically. And we look forward to that as they grow further into tomorrow. And of course, more into tomorrow coming up. Don't go away right here on the Advanced Media Network. You don't need to be tech-savvy to record and publish your own podcast, but we're guessing listeners of Into Tomorrow would pick it up easily, and it's also less costly than you might imagine. Plans start at just $12 a month. Go to Blueberry.com, that's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com, to start your free trial. We'll begin this segment with a popular Into Tomorrow tech fact that you can share with your family and friends. Phantom Vibration Syndrome is the name for when someone thinks their phone is vibrating, but it isn't. And we've all experienced that. I'm constantly reaching for my phone in my pocket when I realize it's on the table next to me. Yeah. I, I swear it's vibrating in my pocket. Because you feel the vibration. Yeah. It's really freaky. And again, that's so you know, it's called phantom vibration syndrome. Yes. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you by the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitoring System. The future of diabetes management is here. Visit dexcom.com to learn more. Jack in Lakewood, New Jersey, listens online and is participating. We love you for it via the Into Tomorrow app. Hey, Jack. Called you a few weeks ago about uh, a remote control that was not working on RF, only on IR, and you know, for optimum, and uh, basically told me it was out of luck. I was out of luck, but I want to just call you to tell you that I found a way. Universal Remote makes a a remote control, I think it's called a MX450, which allows it to transmit in IR, in RF, and convert into IR, and that did work. So uh, so that does work, and uh, I just wanted you to know. Well, thank you, Jack. I love it when a listener actually calls back and tells us what they ended up being able to do. Sometimes we're able to help, sometimes not, uh, sometimes not as efficiently, perhaps, as we'd like, but glad that that worked out for them. And glad that you shared that with us. It'll help other listeners as well. Do you get our free once-a-week tech newsletter? I'm not asking you, Chris. I'm I'm asking our audience. If you do not, please consider obtaining said tech newsletter. It's free. We don't spam you. It's only once a week. And it's jam-packed with things like... Tech news. Go figure. Oh, and hmm thoughts. Just fun little things to make you smile. We tell you who's on the show this week. We tell you maybe a couple of calls that we're going to be addressing and what we'll deal with for you. We mention the current list of prizes, amongst other things. We have links to the This Week in Tech History video. That's also true. See that every week. There you go. So how does one obtain said tech newsletter? You stop by intotomorrow.com. There's going to be a box that will pop up asking for your email address. You put your email address in there. You'll get a link emailed to you to click on, and that's your confirmation because we don't spam you. Yep. It's called a double opt-in thing. 
That's the official word for it, right. thing. And that's because we don't spam you. And we don't share your email address with anyone. So click on the link that you'll get in the email. Check your spam filter just in case. And voila! Once a week on Thursday evenings Eastern Time, you'll get our once a week tech newsletter. Sign up at intotomorrow.com. It's once a week, did I mention? I can't let diabetes get in my way. So here's what I do. I wear the Dexcom G6. It continuously sends my glucose numbers to my phone. And the arrow shows me where I'm headed and how fast. Without finger sticks or scanning, making it much easier to keep my glucose in range. The more time I spend in range, the better I feel. And the more I can cross off my list. Don't let diabetes get in your way. Check out Dexcom.com slash in range. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G6 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Into Tomorrow always reminds you to check your spam filters for email that's not spam and you want to get it out of there. And, of course, back up your important data. Welcome back Into Tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by Blueberry Podcasting. If you want to become a podcaster, get started for free in three simple steps. Blueberry Podcasting makes it easy to publish, analyze, and grow your show. Visit blubrry.com. Lex in Louisiana listens on 710 Keel, and we love you for it using the free Into Tomorrow app to join us. Hey, Lex. I have my mother-in-law who's 91 years old that lives in our house with us, my wife and I, and we don't want to put her in a nursing home, but yet we've tried first alert devices and other types of uh, emergency devices, and she loses them or breaks them. But she always keeps up with her Apple iPhone, and she does a good job at that. And I was wondering if there is an app or some way to get that Apple iPhone to emulate or be a first alert type device. If you have any suggestions, I would appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us and participating, Lex. uh, And kudos to you for taking care of your mother-in-law. I think that's good. And Chris, let that be a lesson. Don't you have a mother-in-law. Good thing. Me me either anymore, having had two. Um, But don't just stick me in a home either. So there. I want to be stuck in my own home. But yes, Lex, there are ways, but it won't be very reliable if you're worried about things like perhaps falls. There are lots of apps like Fall Safety or even CVS's Health Symphony that will try to track activities and falls, but an iPhone is far more likely to sit on a table than a wearable is, and it won't detect things like falls if it's sitting on a table. CVS's version reports movement in general, so you could always check in on her if she hasn't moved in a while to see if she's okay and perhaps just left the phone somewhere. Yeah, the emergency uh, call side of it obviously is easier. She can just say, hey, Siri, call my daughter, and she'll reach your wife. Uh, If she's open to an Apple Watch, it will have fall detection and emergency calling built in. And it will be far more reliable since it's a wearable device that she's less likely to leave behind than a phone. And, for example, if she happened to be cooking and slipped and fell, the phone may be sitting on the counter, but the watch will still be attached to her and detect the fall. Yeah, so that might help you in the long run even more. Let us know what you end up going with. Visit us at intotomorrow.com. 